rising on an emerging generation of kings. Type in the comments. Let me know how the series has been for you. Um, you can type in a word, a phrase, a sentence, maybe even a whole chapter. Copy and paste, right? <laughs> in, in the comments. Let me know how impactful it's been. Uh, don't just tell me you've been blessed or amazing. Tell me what exactly has happened. Do you have a, a greater sense of control? Yes. PLT is saying, you see Daniel team in the comments, most likely PLT, right? She's saying, it's given me perspective. Powerful. That's good. Perspective is amazing. As a matter of fact, <laughs> a bulk of your life is determined by your perspective, right? Not just what you see, but how you see. Jesus once said, be careful how you hear. Not just what you hear, but how you hear. Sometimes, instead of saying thank you, we get upset. Not because of what was said, but because of how we hear. Sometimes, instead of feeling loved, we feel hated. Not because of the words that were spoken, but because of how we hear things. So perspective is very important. How many of you know that perspective can make your shadow look bigger than you? That if you lack perspective, you can become afraid of your shadow. <laughs> Did that happen to anybody as a child? Has anybody ever got scared of their own shadow as a child? Why? They lacked perspective. That was what happened. You lacked perspective. Right? And you realize that you're literally in control of your shadow. By altering the light and the positioning or angulating yourself differently, you were in control. You could be in control of the shadow. Please, how many times in the comment box, stop being scared of the shadows, man. Stop being scared of the shadows. Just get the light. Get the light. Get the light. Stop being scared of the shadows. Get the light. Position yourself correctly. And then you're going to see that you're not the one mimicking the shadow. It's the shadow mimicking you. And at the point of total light, guess what happens? Boom. You don't even get to see shadows any longer. I want to prophesy over somebody. You will no longer battle shadows in your life. The Bible says that with God, there is no variableness. Neither is there any shadow of turning. You will no longer battle shadows in your life. You will have the substance of things. You have the capacity of the spirit. You will operate in the dimension of clarity and conviction like never before. There are some people I'm not seeing in the chat. I'm not seeing Fidel type anything in the chat. I'm not seeing Maya type anything in the chat. In the chats. I'm not seeing... Uh, have I seen Vivian type in the chat today? I'm not sure. I've not seen Innocent type in the chat today. Robert with the double B. I've not seen you type in the chat. Let us interact and participate. Type something in the chat. All right. So this six posted a very important comment. He said, it has made me learn how to put things together without the fear from a lot of pressure from different angles. So that's also like perspective, which is powerful. Um, it's a greater sense of control, a greater sense of coordination in the face of all that you're doing or all that you're having to handle. All right, beautiful. Now, is anybody who has a question, um, a burning question or a scenario that you want me to speak to or you want to unpack or something you just want to get off your chest? Is anybody, I think I can take two or three Whilst we're waiting for Marvin to join the, the stream, let's do that. Jadis said, it's helped me to be more patient with myself and others. I'm able to detect pressure. Beautiful. That's powerful. I'm able to detect pressure and redirect my energy. That's so powerful. 
because when you're fighting stuff and you don't know where it's coming from, it can be very tiresome. But when you're fighting something and you know where it's coming from, then you have a great sense of control. If there's water in your house, the house is flooded, you don't know where the water is coming, that adds to the anxiety, to the stress, to the tension. But when you know it's coming from the bathroom or the kitchen or the sink or the parlor or the roof or the door, then even though the water is still coming in, you have a greater sense of control. Defy is going to see you on uh, YouTube. Wow! 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 Beju, who remembers Beju? Beju was with us up until last year, and then he had to travel. Beju, it's good to see you. Thank you, thank you. It's good to see you. Great to have you on the call tonight. All right? That is that is beautiful. All right, so is there anybody who has a question? Is there anyone who has a question? Um, maybe like a real-life scenario or a recurrent issue. They're like, well, Pastor, I've heard all this you've said, but there's still this issue in my life or there's still this challenge I'm dealing with or there's still this struggle that is seemingly overwhelming me, right? Is there anybody like that? Is there anybody like that? Right? Any question that you feel, or maybe you just feel like this could actually, um, maybe this scenario, I could ask in private, but I want to ask in public because I want people to benefit from the wisdom that will be shared. Dami Adela, was good to see you. Good to see you. Sen or Sen A is good to see you. All right. Anybody? Oh, we're all good. All right. Let's go. Before I share the slides, tell me, what's that one thing that you will always remember from this series? What's the one thing? Um, wisdom nugget, insight, scripture, uh, example, illustration, uh, line, joke, demonstration. What's that one thing you will always remember from this series? Tell me real quick. What's that one thing that you'll always remember? Beautiful. Lady Jane says, small poreros, small potatoes. Always remember that, right? These issues are just, oh, wow. These issues, that's this yams. And just small potatoes. So, right, yams and potatoes, same thing, all for eating. Yeah, these issues are just small potatoes. That's that's brilliant, man. Okay, so Kenneth has his hand up. I'm trying to find Kenneth. Where? Okay, I can see it now. All right, so do you want to go for it? Good evening, Pidans. Technically, it's not Kenneth. It's Glory. Yeah. You are one with it. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, well, that's true. Is the female Kenneth? <laughs> Anyways, um, so my question was is about um the first service on Sunday. So I watched it and um in the um like determining of what our dreams are, I got the impression that if it's not like top something, it's not <laughs> in a dream. Yeah. And sorry. I'm land, land. I'm following you. Okay. Yes. If it's not like top, it's not because like if somebody says, ah, okay, well, I want to be an engineer in Nigeria, it's like oh. If I want to be a top engineer, like your top five, then it's now a dream. So I'm like, is it the topness of it that validates the fact that it's a dream? Like, what what actually makes make is the what are the components of 
a like a good dream is that way to describe it yeah so i'll end it thank yeah, you that is a very is a very very good question it's a very timely question and when i was reviewing um because i do a review the review in my head as well so when i was reviewing on sunday i think i've mentioned to people today i hope that people don't get impression i mean or oh, everybody must be big or everybody must be huge so i'm happy asking that and that's why it's good we have this kind of interactive forum right so that we can also ask this kind of questions so i made the point of view to actually say today or to put it somewhere in the teacher that it's not necessarily about it being the top or the best however it has to be watch this for it to be a dream, it needs to blow your own mind. Okay, that's why it's called a dream. It's an aspiration. It's a big picture. It's out there. So it's not something that you should be able to just accomplish with the minimum effort. It should be something that even with your greatest effort, you're not sure you can get there because that then provides the gap for grace. Right, so we have different capacities, we have different levels of giftedness, different levels of exposure, we have different backgrounds, different assignments, different callings. Right, our calling is one in Christ, we conform to the image of the Son to know God to make Him known. But we have unique expressions and unique assignments in that grand calling, right? So it doesn't have to be competitive, right? It doesn't have to be quote unquote top notch, but to you. It must be something that is difficult, <laughs> right? It must be something that is, it must be, let me give an example. It must be like Goliath to David. It must be like the prime minister to Joseph. It must be like redeeming Israel to Esther. It must be like freeing the people of God to Moses. Now, let me also say this. Because the revelation of God to you is progressive based on your level of awareness, consciousness, uh, ability to articulate, based on your growth, your stage in the spirit as well, and maybe some areas of intelligence as well. You may not necessarily be able to capture the ultimate goal from where you are. But whatever you can see, the Bible says, as far as your eyes can see, that's what I'm going to give to you. But it said to Abraham, walk the length and breadth of the land now the truth is from where abraham was he could see certain things but i hope you realize that the more he walked the more he saw <laughs> right the more he walked the more he saw so the whole point of articulating is being able to think through because what i discovered on sunday was not just about whether people didn't have dreams or not was the seeming lack of confidence and the inability to capture something that has engulfed the heart, which for me was quite a big deal because, again, God deals with your heart, right? And one of the major elements of a heart that is alive unto God is as receiving messages, and those messages will come as images, images of the intentions of God. Does that help? Is that clear? Does that help somebody? Yes, sir, it does. Thank you very much. It's very clear. Oh, beautiful. Does that help any other person? Is there other person who got clarity from there? All right. So don't forget, tomorrow in our tribes, we're going to be discussing our, our dreams, right? And our disciplines, the dreams and the disciplines. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's dive into the heart of the matter. And this is going to be, yes, thank you, Vivian, for that. And thank you, Johnny, for that. And again, please don't be on some dream, but there's always a picture God is showing you. And many times that picture will be bigger than what you get exposed to. All right, so if you can see, 
the slides. Can you see? Yes, I can. I know I can be what I want to be. All right. <laughs> I know I can be what God wants me to be. More like. All right. We can see the slides. Can you? Oh, this is all showing part two. It should be showing part six. Those who went to Israel are familiar with part one, part two, part three, part four, part, part five, part, part six. All right, Genesis, I can. All right, so I think most people can. So look at 10 uh, channels of pressure. Please don't forget, you can always go back to those things and review over and over. Then we looked at the five uh, persons or combinations of people that could be responsible for your pressure. And then we looked at what you do um, based on whoever is responsible for the pressure you're feeling, right? And then we progress to talk about why the pressure might be getting worse. So today, I want to give you from point number 14. Now, how many have I given you so far? Who's following? Who's following? Tell me who's following. Who's following? Tell me who's following. How many have I given you so far? Remembers. Uh, remembers. Thirteen. All right. Beautiful. Now, should I tell you guys one ridiculous thing? Should I tell you one ridiculous thing? The day I started this, and I think I started sharing this. Is it the second service we had at the second Sunday? Should I confess something to you guys? Should I confess? Who can handle this confession? Is it my confessions? Oh, why am I saying that? Because I want to usher you into deeper things in God. And the day I was sharing, I started sharing this stuff with you guys. I actually thought I was going to finish all the points in one service. Who remembers what I said? I'm not going to tell you how many points I have. <laughs> For whatever reason, I thought I was going to finish everything. In one service, come on, come on, how? Yeah, <laughs> Jonathan, eh? <laughs> oh, oh my god, because I want us to shine brighter than rays of the sun. Oh, I see that. Yeah, yeah, that's deep. If you get that, that's great. So, but we're gonna finish tonight at least the points that I, I want to share with the public. So, we ended with point number 13. Don't know what to do with the most. <laughs> right. Number that we spoke about living in disobedience, and then we spoke about how the word came to Saul and said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, rebellion is intentional disobedience, but it's not just disobedience. Rebellion is first of the position of the heart against the purpose of God or against constituted authority. So here is something I want to discover with this disobedience matter. Do you know that somebody watch this can be obedient but still rebellious? Who knows that? Someone can be obedient but rebellious. Why? Because the person can have an ulterior motive. Yes. The person can comply in the public, but the state of the heart is wrong. Yes. The state of the heart, that's why the Bible says, God looks, man looks at the outward appearance and God looks at the heart. Why is God explaining that? He's saying that. Why is he saying that? Because he knows that every man 
every man, every woman, every human being has the natural wiring in the Adamic nature to turn on Act 1, Scene 1. To turn on and channel their inner Denzel, their inner Julia Roberts, or KOK, or mention all the names, Doremi, or Kola, or whoever. Right? Jimmy Oduka. The natural human, the fallen human being. Look at your neighbor and say there's an actor in you somewhere. There's an actor somewhere in your flesh. There's an actor somewhere in your flesh. Right? So, this is the reason a person can look the part. And from your own judgment, you're like, this person is doing everything right. Right? But God is like, hey, you don't know. You don't know what you mean to me. Right? You don't know. Are we, are we here now? Are we here now? Are we, are, we, are we here now? Yes, come and talk to me in the comments. Talk to me in the comments. Now, I really want you guys to get your brothers and sisters in. This is very important. You know why? Better is the end of the thing and the beginning thereof, right? And sometimes the enemy loves people of their true freedom, or will I say release, yes, by just making sure they don't finish. Don't forget, Revelation is full of he that is faithful to the end. So whenever you embark on something, know this. You're going to be tempted to drop out. <laughs> Governor, I saw your comment on YouTube. I'm not going to say it because it crossed my mind, but I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> right. Right. So in obeying God, we want to make sure we're obeying him from the heart. In honor, we want to honor from the heart. In celebrating, so whether is you're honoring your husband or honoring your wife, honoring your team lead, your tribe lead, or honoring your pastor, all pastors, all ministers, right? It has to be from the heart. Because what happened with Saul was that he said, you know what, I've done what you sent me, sent me to do, but the people kept some things for themselves. And Samuel is like, what are you doing? God said, kill everything. Kill everything. Alright? Now, uh, Minister H is asking a question which is good. What if the person doesn't know that they are rebelling? Now, it's very difficult for someone not to know they are rebelling. Uh, rebelling. It's difficult. Somebody might not know they are in disobedience, right? Because maybe they are distracted and not paying attention. But rebellion has to do with a posture of the heart. It has to do with um, something in your heart saying, why should I? Why who is telling me to? Okay. Now, rebellion is an act of armed resistance to an established government. It's an uprising, an insurrection, a revolt, defiance. Right? This has to do, it has to do with you knowing, you know what you're doing. Okay? So rebellion is God has given you two, three confirmations, but you are not doing. You are still like, no, God, if you really want, let a candle drop from the roof into my kitchen by 6 a.m. tomorrow. You know, you're just, you know, putting out all those fleeces on spoke about stop playing, right? Salt and light stop playing. And you are put the more fleeces you put, the more you ask you for more proofs. And God says, see, I don't play games, so suits yourself. Okay. Now let's go to number 14. Number 14. It gets sweeter. Maybe the pressure is getting worse. I'm going to need my scribes today. Maybe the pressure is getting worse. Because, guess what? You're counting your losses instead of your blessings. Anybody been there before? 
Anybody been there before? Anybody, 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 anybody been there before? Maybe. Maybe. You know, PLT, when I was thinking about this uh, today, PLT, are you there? We were having a conversation yesterday or two days ago um, on the couch, if you remember, and I was saying that it was still this same year that this happened, this same year, this same year, this same year. I would just say counting blessings. It's amazing that the fallen man, fallen man, has a magnifying glass for negativity. And that was, see, that fallen man, there's a part of fallen man that wants to dwell on what's not working, that wants to dwell on what's wrong, that wants to dwell on what's left. The enemy capitalized on that earlier on. And lost, what lost does is that lost puts you at a loss by making you count less of what you already have. So when that is lost of the eyeless of the flesh part of life, it puts you at a loss because it wants you to count less. Look at somebody say you might not be a forex trader, but stop loss. You might not be a forex trader, but stop loss. You might not know what that is, but just type it somewhere. Just put stop loss. Stop loss. And before we know what's going on, we can begin to murmur. We can begin to complain. Because every time we're murmuring, what we are really doing is that we are articulating our displeasure. Murmuring is articulation of displeasure. Murmuring is consciousness of the absence of what I desire. Right? It's an announcement of ingratitude. Complaining is an announcement of ingratitude because everything I'm complaining about was once a prayer point or is still somebody's prayer request. Everything I'm complaining about. If I complain about my car, somebody has never driven a car before. If I complain about accommodation, somebody is under the roof and still breathing and saying, thank God I have breath. If I'm complaining about my wife or my husband, Somebody has been on a mountaintop for three years and counting, trusting God for any man or woman at all. Are we here now? Come on, somebody take my notes for me. This is good stuff. Are we here now? See what the word says in Philippians 2, 12 to uh, 16. Very important. And if you can give it to me in Amplified Classic as well, or Amplified, that will be great. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. What do you do now? Work out your own salvation. How? With fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, if God is working in me, how can I then use my mouth to complain? When God is working in me, and the word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what it means is this. Anytime I am complaining, I'm shifting my focus from the ongoing operation of the Holy Ghost concerning that issue. I'm shifting my focus from the ongoing operation of God on the inside of me to the things that I think are not working. Oh my God, is somebody getting this? Because God gave me my mouth to amplify his internal operation. He did not give me my mouth to announce what's on the outside because everybody can see that one. <laughs> what I use my mouth to do is to amplify the ongoing operation of the Spirit of God. Are we here now? Are we, are we here now? 
Are we here now? Are we, are we here now? Are we, are, are we here now? God does not need you to bear witness to the mess around you. He needs you to bear witness to the blessing within you. That's why I said, let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich, right? So we use our words to glorify God. So we count our blessings, not our losses. Now, see what it says in, uh, in the other part. It says, do all things, all things, cooking, cleaning, teaching, sleeping, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless. What it means is complaining increases the blame quotient of my life. And then complaining makes me harmful. Now somebody goes, how can complain make me harmful? I can give you a number of it's number one. When I complain, I'm using God's instrument for reformation for deformation. I'm using the tool as the tongue. I'm abusing it. Complain is an abuse of my tongue infrastructure. Come on. Number two, when I complain, I'm not edifying. It says, let your speech always be seasoned with salt. So I'm not edifying somebody. My life is not glorifying God. My words are not equipping and encouraging man. And that I'm training my soul in loss. They say you become a blameless, harmless, children of God without fault. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as light in the world. Then the next and holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So here's the deal. Instead of complaining, I flip it. Somebody say flip it. I flip it. So let's assume that a team lead does something I don't like. Instead of director or pastor saying, oh, wow, this person... We'll flip it. We'll flip it. God will thank you. Thank you for this person. Now, initially, you feel like you're being ridiculous. You feel it will sound like a joke, annoying, right? Like pretense. But so God said, thank you for this annoying leader. <laughs> I thank you, God. I thank you. God, I thank you. I thank you. <laughs> Let's practice it. Let's practice What's that thing that was annoying today? Say, God, I think if your mom got on your nerves today, say, God, I think I still have a mommy. If it was your your fiance, your financier, your supporter, your online follower, say, God, I think I still have online following. Come on, tell it again. Just say, Thank you, God. If you can't type the person in there, just say, I flip it on you, God. <laughs> I flip it. I flip it. Flip, flip, flip. Come on, flip it. Amplify Classic said. Uh, where, where are you? It says, not in your own strength, for it is God who, who is all the while, yes, all the while, effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Then it says, do all things without grumbling and fault finding, without complaining against God, and without questioning and doubting among yourselves that you yourselves 
uh, that you may show yourselves to be blameless and guileless, no pretense, innocent and uncontaminated children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebreakable in the midst of a crooked and uh, wicked generation. The second uh, passage we'll look at is Numbers 21, 4 to 9. Give me that, please, in the KJV. Exactly. Exactly. Godson, you're right. It is quite a tough one. But you flip it. Okay, now look at what it says in Numbers 21, 4 to 9. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became, watch this now. He said the soul of the people. He did not say the souls. That's plural. But he said the soul, one. Please, let me tell you something. The power of a congregation, the power of community, the power of a tribe, the power of a people is that when you relate with those people long enough, your soul will become as one soul as the soul of that congregation. Let me explain what that means. This is not a soul type kind of thing. It means that if you are weak in prayers, but you remain in SGQ, by the second week, you just discover, ah, guy, I don't pray from where? I don't, ah, uh, come on. Now, let's be honest. How many of you, you started doing some bad things sometime in your past, right? Hopefully not your present, but see, uh, sometime in your past, because your soul was joined to the soul of the people. Maybe your flatmates, or maybe your roommates, or maybe your board mates, or maybe your schoolmates, anybody like that. On a good day, you are club. You don't send club. You don't like the noise. You don't like the colors. You don't like the smell. You don't like the music. But your soul became one with them. And when your soul became one with them, you began to express like them. He says that the soul of the people became discouraged. There is a principle God gave me a while ago, which is the principle of Kingsman Redeemer. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> teach it so I don't go off tangent. But here's the point. You should be a person who redeems an atmosphere from gloom. You should be the person who redeems the atmosphere from tension, from strife, from crisis. It will cost you. Why? The kinsman redeemer is the one who sheds blood. <laughs> but somebody's got to redeem it. Otherwise, everybody goes to the dogs. Right? So the soul of people became discouraged. On the way. Look at somebody say, even if you are discouraged, stay on the way. Stay on the way. Stay on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. So, be careful. Be careful when you discover that your conversations are now more against than for. One of the signs that you are now beginning to count your losses instead of your blessings is that more of your conversations are now against. Against the government, against the church, against friends, against people, against your enemies, against... And, and you know, you can be... There are churches, there are pastors, sadly so, there are ministers whose messages are largely against, against, against. No, but the Bible says, if God be for... Then God said, go before me. Walk before me. I'll, I'll, uh, and be thou perfect. Then says, I will go before you. So God is not an anti... See, the, Jesus is not an anti-devil. 
is the devil that is looking for antichrist. God is not the opposite of anything. God is not an anti-God, anti-God. No. God is for. Is somebody getting this now? God is for. So whenever he's not, let's, you know, this something is against this. This one is against, like Jacob said, I told him two Sundays ago, all this is against me. No, Joseph, Jacob, that stuff is for you. It's for you. Jesus is not anti-Satan. It's Satan that has to create antichrist because Christ is the main thing. Come on. Somebody say, I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. I am on the winning side. So look at what they said. They spoke against God and they spoke against Moses because the scripture will come to speak against God and against God's people and people that God has sent away. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our soul loves this worthless bread instead of them to be thanking God that there was still bread. Now which bread were they calling worthless? This was manna that fell from heaven. The Bible says it was angels food and all of a sudden they began to despise what God had done for them. Have you not noticed in your life sometimes how the enemy begins, how the enemy begins to tempt you to despise something that you once prayed all night for. To despise something that you once rejoiced over. To despise something that once bailed you out of trouble. To despise something that you once shared a testimony about. This was manada fell from heaven. They didn't have to cook. Imagine, women. How many women who cook often here, or men in some cases, some men cook as well, who cook often here? How many of you would, would just love it if you didn't have to cook for a whole year? If you didn't have to cook for two years, all the women in Israel was a traditional setting. So the women, all the women, they didn't have to cook for 40 years. But at the end of the 40 years, instead of saying, oh, I had more time to write my chronicles of what happened in Egypt and to raise my children, they were complaining and saying, worthless food. We turn away and repent. In every way, we have become circumstantially ungrateful. In every way, I become ungrateful. In every way, I become irritable. In every way, I become unrealistic. In every way, I become uncultured and uncouth. And then, guess what happens here? The word tells us that eventually the snakes began to bite. As they complained, see, before they complained, they were just coming about the food. That's all they did. Right? They're coming about the food. But guess what now happened eventually? Serpents now began to bite. What does that tell me? Let me tell you this in the way that will help somebody. Do you know what it means? Ingratitude and complaining grant serpents visas into your life. Ingratitude and complaining will give Serpents, visas into your life. That very thing you're complaining about, you know, they're complaining about the bread. God used the bread to sustain their lives. Now they're complaining about what God gave them. And then the serpents began to bite. The serpents began to bite. And you know what happened eventually? So if you read all the way down, the Bible now says that the Lord sent fiery serpents among them 
among them, uh, the scripture keeps moving. Among the people, and they beat the people, and many of the uh, people of Israel died. Therefore the Lord came to Moses and said, We have seen, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the, for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when it looks at it, shall leave. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and said it was if a serpent had beaten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, some people will be like, ah, God is tough, or he just said serpents. Ecclesiastes tells us, break the hedge and the serpent will bite. Those serpents, they had been there. Not necessarily with them, but they were not too far off. So, what was keeping them away was the hedge of divine protection. Was the hedge of God because Ecclesiastes says, if you break the hedge, then the serpent will bite. Please help me tag somebody and say, there's always a serpent that is not too far from you. And a bite is, I mean, the, the bite is a complaint away. The bite is a broken hedge away. The bite is a broken hedge away. So keep that hedge up by saying, God, I'm still trusting you for this. I'm still trusting you for that, but I thank you for this. I'm still trusting you for the $1 million a month job, but I thank you for the $200,000 internship. I'm still trusting you for the B car, but I thank you for this Uber. I'm still trusting you, come on, for my own husband, anointed, filled, Holy Ghost and part, tall, dark, handsome, rich, charismatic, man of character, man of valor. But I still thank you for this person who is not my speck, that is still sliding into my DM. Come on, somebody. Thank you that somebody is still whistling at me, even though they are not a kettle, they are whistling. You still got to thank God for the annoying person that chatted you up by the bus stop, even though you don't like him and it may not be your husband. But be grateful that somebody still finds you attractive, woman of God. Come on now. Come on now. And so he said, make a brush up and said, look at it. Fix your focus. It's a question of focus. It's a question of focus. All right, let's go. Maybe the pressure is getting worse, number 15, because you are being self-centered. Being self-centered. Maybe that's why. Being self-centered and being self-conscious or you're being self-absorbed instead of being selfless and embracing self-sacrifice and generosity. So, you have reduced the yardstick of God's faithfulness to the level of your own preference. In other words, you now measure and judge God's faithfulness by how often what you prefer happens. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Yes, I see Larry Drew on uh, YouTube. I see uh, Adifemi very active this night. Joel, I see you on YouTube. Larry, I see you. You have now reduced God's faithfulness to, oh, you know what? <laughs> okay, so this scenario is my current scenario. You see, the Lord, the Lord loves you. Look at Philippians 2, 3 to 4. It says, let nothing be done. Don't forget one word earlier. It said, do all things without grumbling. Now it's saying, let nothing be done 
through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let now, now this is so powerful. He said, esteem other people better than you. Umar, this generation needs this message. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interest. He's not saying don't look out for your interest though. He said, don't let it be your primary thing, your, your obsession. What's in it for me? How good will I look if I stand on this platform or partner with this podcast or work in this organization? Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Please tag somebody on this call. Say, look out for my interests. Tag somebody right now in the comments. Say, look out for my interests. You're not my principal, but you can look out for my interests. Come on. You're not my principal, but you can look out for my interests. Now, Amplified Classic says, do nothing from factional motives through consensuousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance, instead... My scriptures keep moving. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, willingness of mind, let each one regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. If you know this can be tough, just put it in the comments. Say this one can be tough, but I receive grace. Say tough, but there's grace. Tough. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interest, but also each for the interest of others. In other words, this thing I'm about to say, how will it sound to this person? This thing I'm about to do, how will it affect this person? This person I'm about to go, how will it pepper, affect, negate this person? It's important. So let's look at a case study because for each one, we're examining a case study. So who is our case study here? Our case study has to be Job and his friends. So give us Job 42, 7 to 17. Job 42, 7 to 17. Now, let me ask you, if I already think that somebody in my space if I esteem him higher than me, will I feel bad when he has more attention? Will I feel bad when he has more popularity or she? Will I feel bad? Because in my head, I already esteem you higher than me. Larry says, Peter, look out my interest. I got that. If I already esteem you better than me or higher than me, not necessarily better in essence, but I'm pr that, that means I'm prioritizing you. I'm looking out for your interests. Before I think about how I look, I'm thinking about how you look. Right? I even help you adjust your hair. <laughs> right. right? Somebody tell me. Tell me. Will you, will you still be envious? No. Because you already are looking out for their good. All right. Uh, so, Joe, for the two. Right? The word says, And said it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you, and you and your friends, against you and your two friends. 
for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, then go to my servant Job. Come on. Job was suffering, but God said, Job, you're still my servant. Let me prophesy over some. Let me exhort and encourage somebody. Your suffering does not mean you have missed God. The pressure does not mean you have missed God. The pain does not mean you've missed God. The hassle does not mean you've missed God. The hustle does not mean you've missed God. The delay does not mean you've missed God. Because all through the season, whilst the friends of Job were, Job were saying, Job, you've missed God. Job, you've seen. Job's wife said to Job, curse God and die. Because nobody can be suffering this way except they've done something against God. Whilst they were doing that, God was just quiet. Listen to this. Sometimes the endorsement of God appears to be silence. Oh my God. Sometimes God does you a favor by not bringing you on the scene. Sometimes God holds you back. Because you are the real star of the story. Sometimes God keeps you back. This is a prophetic moment right now. Receive. Sometimes it looks like God is delaying you. Because you are a star in the story. And it's not yet your turn. You are the star on the tree. You are the topping on the cake. You are the cherry on the pie. Sometimes that is exactly what happens. God was silent much of the book of Job. He allowed all the naysayers, all the cynics, all the skeptics run their mouth. Listen, your enemies may run their mouth, but it's God that runs your life. Come on. Somebody send that to me that could preach. Your enemies may run their mouth, but it's God who's running your life. And at the right time, he's going to get them to run to you to come and ask for mercy. Is anybody here now? Is anybody here now? Anybody here? Anybody here now? Come on, somebody. That was a preach, but that's ministry to somebody. That's ministry to somebody. So see what happened? Eventually, God said, it's a long word, so read by yourself, please. Eventually, then God said to Job, uh, said to them, go and offer sacrifice by yourself. The, the friends of Job Thought they were doing Job a favor. But they were mounting pressure on Job and they're mounting pressure on themselves because they just kept on talking and talking. Go and read Job. They're just talking a lot. A whole lot. And the pressure was getting worse. <laughs> because they were being self-centered. They were being self-absorbed. Then God now gives Job himself a test and says, guys, go and offer sacrifices and then, watch this now. Go to Job. And if Job had been selfish and he had not prayed, what would happen? The miracle would not have happened. See what the word of the Lord says. He said, Then came, uh, uh, then it says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends. Don't forget, God said take seven bulls and seven rams. Job's farm had been burnt up by fire. Must have been lightning. Say fire came down from the sky. Must have been lightning. Right? It, it burnt the whole stuff. So Job could have said, ah, keep offering sacrifices. No, no, no. Keep, keep the seven rams for me. Keep the seven bulls for me. Let me start my business again. No. God was also testing Job. Well, you pray for your friends after they've hurt you. Will you accept the apology after they come back to you? Or will you say, well, it's done. Cancel culture. 
Sometimes what we need to cancel is not people. What we need to cancel is the culture that cancels people. Come on. Who that could preach? Somebody send that to me. Sometimes what we need to cancel is the culture that cancels people. When God wants some of those people to be part of your council in the future. So God did that. The word says, And then the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and they ate food with him. Where? In his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity. I want to prophesy over somebody. This month of November is your month of comfort and consolation. This is a direct word for somebody who has had intense suffering. For three weeks, for three months, for somebody almost all year long. The Lord says, I'm bringing to a place of comfort and consolation. If that's your word, claim it right now. I'm bringing to a place of comfort and consolation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, his acquaintances came, they ate before him. Uh, the bemoaned that bemoaned and comforted him over all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave a piece of money. They came with money. Somebody, money is looking for you. Oh yes, I received that money. They came with money. And they came with an earring. Every man an earring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Job 42, 11 to 17. Please, can somebody tell me how long Job lived? Job lived 140 years. I feel like preaching right now. But can I prophesy to you? There is more inside of you than what you lost. There is more in front of you than what you left behind. There is more. Job lived 140 years. And the words of all the girls in the town, of all the girls in that region, there was none as beautiful as the daughters of Job. On top of all the mess, all the Christ, all the consolation, guess what? All the issues, God gave Job fine children. Let me prophesy to a single lady here and a single man here. Quote but possible that the reason you are not yet married is that God is bringing that woman that when her blood mixes with your blood or that man that when his blood mixes with your blood the children you all go produce are going to suddenly beautiful. Now why does the Bible why does the Bible have to tell us that Job's daughters were the most beautiful because God is saying I'm not only going to beautify your situation I'm going to beautify your legacy your heritage your offspring I'm going to beautify the people coming out of your loins. I will beautify everything you're about to give birth to. Come on. Beautiful books, beautiful apps, beautiful songs, beautiful time, beautiful future, a beautiful ministry, a beautiful move. Anybody hear this? Hear this? Anybody see this? See this? Anybody hear now? Let's move for time's sake. Number 16. Maybe the pressure is getting worse because you don't know the true cost of your calling. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe you don't know the true cost of your calling and the prices your assignment requires or you know and you aren't paying them. Now, this is different from dreams and disciplines. Okay? 
The discipline has to do or has to do with your general disposition to demands. But apart from your general disposition, there are requirements. Every calling has a consecration or a requirement. Right? So, for example, Abraham, you got to leave your father's house. You have to leave your father's house. That is it. Okay? Another major thing about every calling, every patriarchal calling, every pioneering calling, every mainstream calling, is betrayal. Abraham was betrayed. Noah was betrayed. One of the sons saw him naked and then went to go and broadcast it. That's betrayal. Right? Joseph, betrayed. Anybody feel this now? Betrayed. Jesus, betrayed and denied. So some of us don't know that betrayal is part of the process. Yeah, so we're yeah, shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I need to mute somebody. Mute them all. Mute them all. So many of us are surprised. We are shocked. That betrayal comes into the story. That betrayal comes into the picture. Now, I think that most of the time, we're not shocked about betrayal. We're shocked about where it came from. However, what makes betrayal betrayal is not the action itself. It's the source and the cause. <laughs> Do you get that? That's what makes betrayal betrayal. But see, if, if an enemy attacks you, it's an enemy you expect him to attack you. But if a friend attacks you, you're sort of like blindsided for a couple of days and wondering, Kilo Right? So there's certain things you don't expect from certain people because you believe people ought to know better. So some of us, we don't know the demands of our calling. We don't know. We are Joseph. We are dancing around the dream. But we don't know that this dream, as fancy as it is, it's not going to come to pass in Jacob's house. You're going to be cut off from your family. Oh my word. Oh my word. Oh my word. Come on, somebody talk to me in the comments. Talk to me. Talk to me. See, Joseph, the dream, God told you the dream. He didn't tell you the location. Come on. <laughs> because if you give it the full package, maybe you won't receive the rebounds in the first place. Do you know the cost of your calling? Oh, one rich, one billion souls. Do you know what that means? Do you really know what that means? You know what that means? It means anybody that is, is in kings right now is going to be under tremendous pressure, a high level of scrutiny. Do you understand that? Self-denial. Don't give up a lot. Oh, I want to marry a monogam. I want to marry a monogam. Do you know that that man of God may not sleep on the same bed with you sometimes for days? Or he might come in much later? Do you know? Are you aware of that? Oh, I, I just sense God. I sense God that my husband is a kingdom financier. Well, do you know what that means? That means that if he's a kingdom financier, he can come back one day. He can drive your Range Rover out of the house one day and he comes back into the house inside Kekemawa. Okay, we talk now. <laughs> PLT, I saw your comments. The Rolex wristwatch. He can get a... You want to marry a kingdom financier. So please, 
Go and assess. Have a talk with God. And assess it. Assess, assess, assess. See what the word, word of the Lord says. Matthew 20, 20 to 23. Matthew 20, 20 to 23. I'm telling you. Say, I, I want to marry. I want my woman. I want my woman to be an influential woman in community, in society. You know what that means? That means that many times she's not, she might not be around to cook your often salad soup the way you want it. So you want a woman that is going to be like a trophy woman that's out there on the, on the news and all of that. How is she going to make you a goosey soup when you still also want that woman to be an goosey soup maker? An international award winning or be an elastic maker. Right? You, you got to think about it and make provision in your expectation for compromises, for healthy and godly compromises. a woman and a mission. Yes. And when she's on a mission, she might not hear transmission, transmission. Do you know the cost of your calling? There's a song by Sister Winers. You don't know the cost of the oil. Do you know the cost of the oil? And see, please don't tell me, oh no, in, in Christ, Christ has paid it all. See Matthew 20, Matthew 20, 20 to 23. What did Jesus pay? He paid it all for your union with God. And then he enlisted you into an army so you can also share in his sufferings. Matthew 20, 23. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? What do you wish? Which is a free. But discipline is a cost you. What do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right. Okay, she's a woman. One on your right and one on your left. In your kingdom, Jesus. And begging you, Jesus. She knelt down. She knelt down. She, she really meant it. There's an older woman kneeling down. I have a request. You see, many of us think that our requests are simple as us talking and God giving. Mm -mm. Some requests are not made with your words. They are made with your life. There's a disposition of your entire system that is asking for something. Come on. Oh, my word. If I'm talking, let me know I'm talking, oh, please. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, it's not, it's not every request that is, you know, let's just talk and be going. See, eh? as the one was asking, all the angels appointed unto the disciples were just like, let me have a solution. <laughs> what the angels were doing that? See, angels be like, So the woman thought, like, if I, if I take a humble posture, and God said, no, some things will cost you more than kneeling down. Some, look at what Jesus said. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. You don't know what you're asking. When you say, God, let my son be a prophet. Give me a prophet. Give me a man of God. Do you know what that means? What that could mean? That boy might have certain manifestations, visitations early in life. Or make him a weirdo. He, he might not fit into the children's parties. He might not be the most liked. Oh, can we talk? He said, but Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup 
that are about to drink. And the baptizer, the baptism that I am baptized with, they said to him, we are able. We are able. That's what they said. Everybody always thinks it's easy until they now bring the cup. Because you know they are cops and they are cops. Let me tell you how ridiculous. <laughs> let, let me read said. They said we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not even mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Now, Jesus is even taking things very P right now because Jesus is saying what? Say, can you drink the cup? He said, yeah, 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 it's not cup, small cup. See, if God is offering you a cup, ask him what size because the only way to drink God's cup is by God's grace. You know, there are cups, all those cups they use for shots, right? Those small, they are those small cups. Then they are tea cups, then they are paper cups, then they are glass glasses, then they are tumblers, then they are jars and pitchers. If God's hand, God's leg reaches from heaven to the earth, how do you think, how do you think, how big do you think his hand will be? And if his hand is so big, how big do you think the cup will be? Now, these two boys that said, we can drink, we can drink. Has any, has it occurred to you? That at least, Peter was close enough to deny Jesus. All the other people, they had gone away, including this, self-appointed cup drinkers. <laughs> Have you noticed that many people that say, I'm with you, I'm for life. Have you noticed that there's sometimes they are the fastest people to leave when the pressure comes, okay? So what you do is, don't just listen to people's words, listen to their actions. Right? The words of loyalty are not spoken they are demonstrated. The words of loyalty are not spoken. They are demonstrated. Loyalty is not something somebody confesses. Loyalty is something someone demonstrates. All right. I think we, we get it. Matthew 26, writers for good measure. Matthew 26, uh, 36 to 41. Um, Jesus said, tired me for an hour. And, the, you know, the... They went away, he was praying, and the people were sleeping. I'm surprised some people were snoring, but they were sleeping, and Jesus was like, dude, couldn't you tire me for an hour? All right, let's move. Number 17. Maybe the pressure is getting worse because you don't know how long your promise will take to manifest, or you're running out of the patience the manifestation requires. You don't know how long it's going to take. Or you actually know, but you're just like, eh? Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you are a child, you are a child and you only wanted something from the gift store, you just really wanted that gift or that toy, you wanted that thing, and you told your daddy or mom, I want this, that, and the other, and they said, I'll get it for you next week. Hey, Father God, next week, next week sounded like, what? Do you know what, what next week is? Or next month, or next year, next what? It sounded so far away. 
So where next where? Why? I've explained this to you before, but let me explain again. Exactly, don't just the next day. Next week is hundred years. You know what? Your your mind relates with time relatively because again, uh, I don't want to get into this, but there's the relativity theory, right? Let me try to simplify. Space, time, and matter are not as concrete as your mind defines them. They are relative concepts to make sense of this ecosystem. Um, break it down, Dami, break it down. So time is a calibration that makes sense in this planetary construct, okay? In, in the book of God, there's no time in that regard. And time is regulated on Earth by the interface of the Earth with the moon and with the sun. If you're getting this, I'm, I'm trying. Say I'm getting it. If you're not getting this, I'm trying. What that means then is that one hour on Earth is not the same thing as one hour in Pluto or Mars or Jupiter or Uranus or Mercury. That one hour is very different in different planets. So your one hour in your mind or one week to the 25-year-old, one week to a 25, 35, 40-year-old is very short compared to what it is with a five-year-old. Why? If you tell a five-year-old next year, what you are telling the five-year-old to do is to wait out one over five, 20% of his entire life so far. 20% of his entire life so far. The equivalent, the translated equivalent for a 40-year-old will be like telling that 40-year-old, wait eight years. That's 40 divided by five years. That's 20% of 40 years. That's eight years. So the way it registers to a five-year-old, because to a five-year-old, one year is not one year. One year is 20% of my life. To a 10-year-old, one year is not one year. One year is 10% of my life. So the 20-year-old, one year is not one year. One year is, what's that? It's 5% of my life. So that's why the older you grow, the older you become, the shorter time seems to be. Why? You have lived out so much time that you now have a robust contextual framework to relate with time with a level of reality. Does this help? Did you get it? Let me know if this is making sense. I know it's a little bit scientific or technical, but it's an important thing to know. If you're not getting, don't worry. We won't think you're not smart. Who? Are we, are we there? So when God makes you a promise, and it says soon. And you're thinking soon is two years. It may not be. <laughs> Joseph's a case study. This man has this dream, this big vision. And you know, when you wake up from a dream, how many of you know that if you wake up from a dream, the dream looks so real, it looks like you're inside the dream. It looks like you are inside the dream. Come on, somebody talk to me. Talk to me. Did you guys get that illustration I, I did? Who got it? Somebody must have gotten it. So that's why it looks like it's a long time. 
What it then also means is, if you are now to calibrate time from the premise of eternity, every time on earth looks very small because you are now calibrating even 10 years in the light of eternity. That's why Paul says, this light affliction, the lightness of the affliction is not inherent in the affliction. The lightness of the affliction is in relative comparison to the glories of eternity that will outweigh all of that. No, of course, sometimes God will give you the time frame. But let's read the scripture. Let's read Joseph. So Joseph has this dream, and everybody's bowing to him, and in his mind, he can see the triumphal entry. Joseph, 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 Joseph. You can imagine the shock and the consternation when these same brothers that were supposed to be bowing to him now throw him inside a pit. Do you know in the dream, Joseph didn't see a pit? Are you aware that in the dream, there was no pit? Not even brat. Pit. Okay. And then the next thing, he saw Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Mr. and Mrs. Blacksmith, bringing some anklets and some chains and some cuffs, biting his hands. Some of you are being shocked right now because, like, this thing is not inside the dream. He's not there. You're right. You're right about that one. It's not inside the dream. But inside the, it's inside the development. Psalm 105, 13 to 20. It says, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes, saying, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, watch this now, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them. Who was that man? Joseph. How was he sent? He was sold as a slave. So what people saw as slavery, God saw as sending. Come on. They thought they were selling Joseph, but God was sending Joseph. Oh my God. Lord, Lord help somebody right now. Lord hug somebody right now. Lord heal somebody right now. Lord feel somebody right now. Lord surround somebody right now. Because Psalm, David, who's prophetic, gives us perspective. He said, God was the one that sent Joseph. But let me explain how it is. It's like this. You forgot something. Your friend forgot her phone inside your house. You want to send that phone via an Uber or dispatch rider. That phone is very important. You want to send that, that phone to your friend. But... You are smart. You know this is Lagos. You don't want to put that phone inside the iPhone packaging. Because if it's the iPhone packaging, somebody might get tempted. Come on. iPhones are from 500,000 to 2 million naira now. So you don't put it inside the iPhone packaging. Where do you put it? You now phone one something you're not really sending. You put Iru inside. You wrap the iPhone inside brown paper. Then you put okra and agalumo and stuff. So it does not look common. I feel like preaching right now. I wish it was Sunday. I'll be jumping and thumping and stomping, right? I, I wish I could really flip over right now. Can I flip on camera? Should I just flip the camera? Ah, because, ah, yeah, a camera, right? So what you do is that you put all the other dirt things. What you are sending is not the locust bean or the okra. It's not the melon seed. What you are sending is the phone. But you hide the phone 
For we have the treasures and earthen vessels. Come on now. That the exile fill God right about now. You That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What you are sending is the phone. But you don't want the criminals and the marauders and the uh, rapists and the molesters and the thieves and the burglars to take advantage of your dispatch. So you put it in an envelope, in a packaging that looks less than, inferior to, and then you move. Let me proclaim this. Sometimes God smuggles you in as a CEO looking like an intern. Sometimes God smuggles you in as a revivalist looking like a backslider. Sometimes God smuggles you in as a pastor looking like a peep. I don't know how that works, but it can happen. Sometimes God smuggles you in. I feel God. Who feels the fire right now? I find your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God is smuggling you in. Is smuggled him in. And all the while, the phone does not know what's going on. If the phone could talk, the phone would say, why are you wrapping me in brown paper? Why are you putting me in the newspaper instead of putting me on the headlines? Why are you putting me under okra and under locust bean and this grimy, greasy thing here and there? Why are you doing that? Ah, if the phone could talk, it will bob out of the place. So sometimes God shuts down your voice like nobody can hear you and shuts down your visibility like nobody can see you and shuts down your speed like you don't know what you're doing because God is smuggling you into a time frame that is going to change. I feel the power of God right now. That is going to change the entirety of your life. God is smuggling. Come on, someone say, God is smuggling me. I feel glory. I feel that God is smuggling me into his purpose, into his agenda, into his timing, into his calendar, into his calibration, into the synchronicity and the syncopation of his beats and his sounds and his music. God is smuggling me. Oh, my mom is on the call. Good to see you, mommy. God is smuggling. God, I feel a prophecy on that. Who else is praying where they are? Who else is praying where they are? That's why sometimes it'll look like a, you're being restricted. It'll look like you're being held down. It'll look like you're being unseen. But there is a calendar. God knows what he's doing. There is a timeline. Because Joseph, watch this. Joseph, you're entering, you're entering, you're entering. You're entering into that land. You're entering in young. You're entering at 17. Joseph, you're entering at 17. You are too naive to become the prime minister. You are not street smart, Joseph. You talk about everything everywhere. You don't know how to monitor the moods, how to govern the space. You still have some work to do. You still need to be developed in the curriculum of your character. You still need to be built and edified. So if, I, if I'm to make you prime minister, you will be a minister. You will fail. You will fall. You will be overwhelmed. So I'm going to take you to the school of hard knocks. I'm going to put you in the prison yard. Where else can you become street smart than in the middle of criminals, than in the middle of drug dealers and Top dealers and rapists and street archers. I'm going to put you in that university so that you can learn how to shut up. You can learn how to read people. You can learn body language. You can learn, come on, what signs mean in Egypt. You can learn the rhythm and the temperature. You can learn some hieroglyphics. You can learn the things that your brothers couldn't teach you and your father couldn't teach you. And even Pharaoh, the too big to teach you. And Potiphar, too proud.
able to let you in. I will take you into a school. I will take you into a school. I will take you into a place where nobody is going to teach you, but the Holy Ghost is going to use the curriculum of canality. Come on. Natural things, human things. I will take you into that place. But when you stand, the MBO, the CEO, the CFO, the EO, the every all the executives will have to listen to what you have to say because you learn from the best even though you are going through the worst come on somebody mm -mm. come on somebody if you're praying, you are right. If you're ministering the spirit, you are right. Then look at what the word says. He said, I wish you could see that. He said, they hurt him. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Can I propose to you? I am not sure. I am not sure that Joseph got into Egypt without marks on his feet. Because the iron they had then, they were not refined like iron now. The crude equipment, right? Not steel, iron, heavy metal. So he must have had some bruises. He must have had some, some gashes somewhere. He must have walked too slow and they would have flogged him. Or walked too fast and they would have hurt himself. The Bible says they hurt his feet with fetters. But some of you are hurting on your feet right now. But keep on moving. Your hands are tied. Get to Egypt. Things don't seem to be working. Inch your way forward. Move yourself. Lift your leg. Say the prayer. Fast one more day. Give that offering. Yield to leadership. Submit to discipleship. Keep on moving. Keep on taking the step. Come on. Keep on moving. He said the hurt his feet with feathers. He was laid in irons. But the next line is mind blowing. He said until the time that his word came to pass. There is a time. There is a calendar. There is a time frame. And I just want to encourage somebody. Don't die before your time. Don't quit before the timeline. That baby needs to be born at a certain time because of the eternal agenda of God. If it comes earlier, there will be delays in his life. So you are waiting out the delay right now before he comes. Can I preach to somebody? It's not always pleasant. Yes, there are marks on your leg. But keep on moving. Until the time that his word came. Your word has a time. Your word has a time. So what do I do? Keep on moving. What do I do? Remain faithful. Do I do keep on fearing God? What do I do? Stay on track. What do I do? What do I do? Keep believing. He said his word came to pass. Somebody give me verse 20. Verse 20 said, The word of the Lord tested him. <laughs> the curriculum, like in school, in school, right? You have assessments CAT continuous assessment test then you have coursework then you have examination see why I said people should be on this call you remember I said it people should be on this call because there's a lot of spiritual transmission a lot of spiritual surgery a lot of impartation a lot of impartation that is happening right now impartation is not only when you lay hands impartation is when there's a release of a spirit Spirit of grace, spirit of wisdom, spirit of joy. 
Number 18. We're almost there. Number 18. It said, it said the Lord, the word of the Lord says that the king set and loose him, giving the rule of the peoples and let him go free. But see, when they let Joseph go free, how many of you know that he didn't go free? He didn't go free. Joseph left the palace loaded. I don't know what you've been through, but I minister to you by the Spirit of God. You are stepping out of that situation loaded with character, with wisdom, with staying power, with capacity, with intelligence, with understanding. You are living loaded. You are living loaded, endued, endowed, stirred up, charged. You are living. The next point, people of God. Maybe the pressure is getting worse because you're trying to go alone instead of partnering or plugging into God-ordained relationships, partnerships, friendships, teams, and tribes. We won't be able to read the remaining scriptures. Maybe we'll cite one or two, but Tifa, thank you for what you're doing. Keep posting, and thank you for this morning, Tifa. I'm still going to give you a call. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to Follow the, the scriptures as Tifa posts in the group. And for people on YouTube, let somebody be posting the scriptures. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. And Acts 4, 23 to 31. There is a system of tribes concerning your divine inheritance. Now, that's why when you check the DNA of ministries, every ministry has a DNA. Some ministries will never in the earth, on earth, be close. For some people, that's bad. But in some cases, that is great. It is great that you are not close to everybody in your local church. How do I mean? Let me ask you a question. You're a member of your local church. The Bible says that we're members one of another. Has your backside ever touched your head? Your backside has ever touched your head? Have you ever put... Your little toe inside your nostril. I pray not. <laughs> I pray not. I pray not. You know why? I pray not. Because they are not supposed to be closed. They are supposed to function and they are supposed to be closed. Now this is not an excuse to be snobbish and to be distant and to be rude and cantankerous and shy. No. But don't force if you try to engage a relationship two, three, four, by the feet time, don't force it. And always engage relationships with value. What has happened is many of us, we are trying to force ourselves into circles, trying to force ourselves into partnerships, trying to force, and that's not the way God works. These two hands, they don't need to force themselves to clap. By the time I start getting to the leg, I'm beginning to force a little bit, Right? And if I want to use the knee, let me let me turn this on so you can see. Two hands, they don't they don't force them to hand and head. They don't, it's not, you're not forcing yourself. But if I want to start using my leg, I have to start forcing it, right? If I want to start using my knee to touch my head, I can't even do it. I'm not that flexible. Maybe if I lie on the floor, I can do it. We'll see. It's not supposed to be. But there's a tribe, and this is the reason, please, if you're not a member of King's Tribes yet, please join a tribe. We have five tribes right now. We have five tribes right now. We have the tech tribe. We have the creatives. We have career professionals. 
We have the business people. We have social impacts. If you are currently without a tribe, please put in the comment. Say, I need a tribe. Put in the comment now. Say, I need a tribe. And a leader is going to take note of your name or DM you or send you a message right now. What is the case study? Acts. I mean, Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward. I wish I could explain that before time said I can. They have a good reward for their labor. But one team who stands alone because when it falls, then he has no one to help him up. Said so if they lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm by himself? So when life gets cold, it is oftentimes a reflection that you are not in your God-ordained team, tribe, friendship, relationship. When life becomes lonely for a protracted season, perhaps you are alone in the tribe. Maybe you're not plugging it. Maybe you're in the tribe, but you're not plugging it. So the tribes, let's plug it. Right? Go in partnerships. Acts 4, 23, 31, there was an issue against the church. The Bible says they went to their own company and they prayed and the whole place was shaken. Number 19. We have two more after this. So some people, you have a tribe, you have a network, but your network is not strong enough to deliver on the demands of your destiny. Your network is not strong enough to deliver on the demands of your destiny. Your network is not strong enough Case study, Peter, Luke chapter 5, 4 to 11. The word says that Jesus appeared to him. He had told all that and caught nothing. Then Jesus said, cast your net to the right side. Then he cast his net to the right side. And the net began to break. So he had a network, but the network began to break. Some of us watch this. We have a healing the sick destiny. We surround ourselves with sick of the healer people. Let me say that again. It's in your destiny to heal the sick. We are surrounding yourself with people that are sick of healers. Some have a great destiny to reach millions of people, thousands of people. But every conversation in our life and our world is me, I just want to be successful. Me, I just want enough for myself and my family. Me. That's a mismatch. That means you have a network, they might like you, but maybe they don't really like your destiny. The Bible says the net began to break. Right? Then the signals, what they do? So the signal to their partners. You know what that means? Peter, he casts his nets, let down the nets. Okay? Jesus said, let down your nets. He let down the nets, one. And when they had done this, when they had done this, that means that Peter already had somebody in his own boat. Even though we, we don't know who that person is, most likely Andrew, right? But the Bible says that the net, they caught a great number of fish, then their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat. Somebody shall signal. Somebody shall signal. Somebody shall signal. What signals are you sending to God-ordained partners? God-ordained partners. What signals are you sending? Are you sending gifts? Are you sending support? Are you sending prayers? Are you sending... They signaled. They signaled. Don't forget what I said earlier. Many things you don't ask for with your mouth. You ask for with your life. With the structure of your life. Number 20. After number 20 is the last one. This, this is the last... 
So are we here? Signal. What are the put some signals out? Now your friend is doing something. Send a text. Ah, I see what you're doing. Well done. You want to partner with somebody? They're online. You read their content. Don't just read their content. Share their content. Signal. Signal. Guess what? Same thing if I partner with people, uh, they will take more than me. No. Do you know that when they signal to those people and those people brought their own nets as well, all the nets began to break. Let me tell you this. There is more than enough for everybody. Don't see people who are doing the same thing as you as competitors. By spiritual wisdom, can you begin to see, is there any part of what they are doing that I can partner with? I may not be able to partner with everything, but is there something? Is there an ebook? Is there a podcast? Is there an interview? Is there this? What can we do together? Because at the end of the day, all the nets broke. All. Their own nets broke. Their partner's nets broke. There is more than enough fish for every ministry to reach. This is so rich, man. This is so rich. And to think that my name is not Richard. But it's not be hard for you to be rich. Amen. Number 20. Number 20. Where is the precious getting worse, sir? Because you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. Or you're trying to use the flesh to sort out issues. <laughs> to sort out issues that require spiritual intelligence or spiritual energy. So this man in the picture is trying to, trying to push, trying, trying to push. Like, guy, you will get, you will get one out. Jesus already told us, he said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus was already saying to us that even in the place of prayer, the flesh is weak. Jesus already announced to us that this system of thinking, this system of worldly carnal thinking, this system of depending on the arm of flesh, on relying on your own energies, this system is a system of weakness. It's a system that will keep on replicating promises that it cannot keep, that will keep on failing and falling and sometimes falling on the wrong bed and falling in the wrong gutter, in the wrong pub, in the wrong this, that, and the other. He says, it's got to be by the Spirit of God. And how do you do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the fisher of our faith. Like we read in Numbers 21 earlier, God told Moses, make that bronze serpent and let everybody focus on that serpent. And somehow by the transmission of divine grace, when you focus on that serpent, this natural serpent will not be able to bite you. They will not be able to kill you. It's the mystery of God's glory. That when you focus on his glory, then every other thing in your space has to align and surrender to his glory. So Paul speaks to Galatians and all you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Have you started in the flesh? Who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth. The one whose eyes Jesus Christ was fully portrayed as crucified. He said, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, it says to them, he that supplies the spirits to you, does he supply the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He's saying that it's the transmission of grace, the supply of the Holy Ghost. It's about what you are hearing. The consistent application like this message Somebody needs to make this a message they listen to every day of this week. That's the truth about some of these things. Many times, one listen will not deliver the weight 
the impartation that you need from it. By the way, let me say this. If I'm your pastor, you are not only to listen to me for instruction. You are not only to listen to me for inspiration. You are not only to listen to me for information. You are also supposed to listen to me for impartation. So there are at least four major things you can, you can get whenever I'm speaking. But one of the major things one look out for is impartation. How do I know? Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are spirit. The word, they are spirit and they are life. Blessed be God. John 6, 6 to 3 that is. And in 2 Corinthians 2, 4 it says, We have made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter because the letter, what does it do? That letter, it kills. The letter kills. But the spirit gives life. What does that mean? The letter kills. That means you can actually be interfacing with something that I'm sharing with you. You can interface with something I'm sharing with you. And guess what is going on? You are interfacing it with it by the flesh. Therefore, that letter is actually killing you. You can see the information. It looks good. It sounds right. But you are not receiving it by the spirit. Therefore, you end up with a note full of instructions, but a life empty of exploits. Somebody say, that's not me. That's not me. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. 3, 6. 2 Corinthians 40 then speaks about the glorious light of the gospel shining in the heart. All right. Finally, the last point. Somebody say finally. <laughs> and the last thing in this series. And we're just going to pray. And it's a great way to bridge into the new series that we have. Maybe the person is getting worse because you aren't waging war with your prophecy. And or you are playing games or treating things casually instead of exercising authority over the devil. There are some things the enemy does. Right? It doesn't be like this one. I just play. But the Bible says resist him. It says rebuke him. That means there's a place for demonstration, demonstrating supernatural power, supernatural capacity, supernatural grace. Don't think that the devil is your friend. Never, ever, ever think. If the devil, watch this, this is good. Maybe this is my wife for tonight. If the devil ever offers you chocolate, he really wants you to become late. The devil is not your friend. He's called Satan, Satan, Ashitani, the opponent, the opposer. So I want to send my white paper, please. Send me my white paper. If the devil ever offers you chocolate, he wants you to become late. So it's going to look sweet, it's going to look nice, but hey. <laughs> the prophet said, the enemy you're playing with is not shining tip with you. That's the truth. He said, the adversary, he says, your enemy goes about like a roaring lion. He's seeking who he may devour. Now, the seeking who he may devour is not just about, watch this, it's not just about a person. It's also about a state. Because there are people that devil cannot devour in certain states. But in other states, they can devour. So for the longest time, when I was served coming out on our food, they would say, ha, he is, is hot, is hot. Daddy is hot. Mommy is hot, is hot. Now that food, they can't eat it whilst it's hot. 
But once it becomes cold, even Ranel can eat that yam. Even Kamin can devour that mound of rice when it is cold. The enemy can eat you up when you are cold. Somebody say, not me, not me, not me, not me. Not me, not me, not me, not me. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. He says, wage war with the prophecy. Wage war with the prophecy. Do battle with the prophecy. Don't just paste it as a screen saver. Don't just put it on your wallpaper. Don't just keep it somewhere on the hallway. He said, wage war. Fight with it. Do battle with it. Press hard against it. Wage war. Wage war. He said, fight. Fight with it. You can study Acts 12, verse 1 to 5. It said, And when Herod saw that it pleased the Jews, that he had killed James, then it stretched for his hands also, right? He said, It stretched for his hands also to afflict some in the church, to deal with some in the church. What it means is, every victory you allow the devil have encourages him to continue his trajectory of victory. Are you here now? Wage war. We're going to close with this one. Because guess what? On Sunday, we are starting the series on spiritual warfare and territorial influence. Spiritual warfare, dominion, and territorial influence. We're starting that series. Come, is anybody excited? Star Wars. And the first message I'm preaching is the hustle is real. Now, it's not you hustling. It's the devil hustling. The devil is trying to hustle you. It's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Come on. So before we close now, it's almost nine. My goal was to finish by quarter to nine. But I just need to finish all this points today. We're going to engage maybe a minute. And some of you can continue later on by 12 midnight or something. In the name of Jesus, is there anyone who's been blessed? Anyone been blessed? I want to give you one minute to wage war with every prophecy over your life. Every prophecy that has come to you privately or personally that has been uttered through my lips, that has been declared over this house, that has come into your life, maybe through your parents, or through a, a pastor or a minister that you once served on, under, or at a camp meeting, or at a place of separation, or a place of personal retreat. Every prophecy concerning your life. In the name of Jesus. The word says, submit yourselves to the Lord. Then resist the devil and it will flee from you. Listen, the enemy has an inbuilt failure, an inbuilt flaw. That inbuilt flaw is that the enemy cannot withstand the resistance of the believer. Come on. So, Father, we are submitted. We are submitted to your spirit, submitted to your will, submitted to your agenda. And Lord, from that place of submission to you, we take authority over every strange spirit of destruction, discouragement, weariness, overwhelm, fatigue, uh, division. We come against in the name of Jesus and we release the life and the light of God. We release the power of God. We release hope and joy and faith over every heart. And we proclaim that we are a house of fulfilled prophecies, a house of accomplished promises in the name of Jesus. We affirm under God that we are loaded with testimonies of breakthrough and increase of elevation, spiritual momentum and capacity. That we are growing in leaps and bounds, in numbers, in quality, in depth, in devotion, in character, in strength and wisdom. Thank you, God. Nego Ralinga de Manacobala, Mendo Brasu Vrekemono Manacabaya, 
Je double la liga manamanako. Recomeno bruga mani morobotono mana. Rakinaka nananamanakuba. Rezuzeliati nakalia sonemanuma. La zendo venekamarika toba. Lesokalia sekelemenua paralabia de manana. Reneke nenemo shamalia saka. Father, we give you praise, Lord. I rebuke every repeated pattern in any life here. For those who are fatigued, and Pascal, I pray for those who oftentimes fall prey to the infirmities of the soul, depression, anxiety, fatigue, worry, overwhelm, uh, jealousy, envy, the bait of Satan, uh, bitterness. I come against every cache of the devil, every storage system, every storage device where the enemy illegally incubates and implants all the dark and negative thoughts so that they spring out like jack in the box at opportune moment. I disrupt the cellar. I disrupt the storage devices. I dismantle every orchestration and machination. I attack to the roots and I pluck out of the soil of your soul any kind of seed that has been ingrained by demonic farmers, by demonic gardeners and demonic cultivators in the name of Jesus. I proclaim that your strength is renewed, your head is lifted, and you begin to soar. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Come on, what a series, what a series, what a series. And to think that the name is not a series, but this is a series. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you, everybody that joined in. My mom is on the call. God bless you, mommy. God bless everybody. Everybody who joined and who stayed all the way. We honor you. We love you. We appreciate you. Please, this is on our YouTube channel. Listen to it. Some of you need to send it to people and tell them, listen from, you know, we did a bit of review earlier. So if you want them to start from the message, look for the point where the message started. Right. Please, SGQ has, been, has come at an opportune time. Throw yourself into it. I know it may get challenging, day three, day four, day five. Throw yourself into it. Right. Grace is available. We are triumphant. We are victorious. There are many things in the realm of the spirit as we do battle and engage engage the protocols of spiritual warfare we are going to see a catalytic transformation we're going to see uh, explosions of grace we're going to see gifts of the spirit activated we're going to see healing miracles we're going to see soul saved we're going to see deliverance freedom emancipation by the way the 30th of november which is going to be a wednesday we're going to have a mega celebration 30th of november and then the first of december we're going to have a tribe party tribes party right so it's going to go back to back we're going to have a, a mega celebration of dancing and rejoice on wednesday thursday at tribes party so just let's invest this month of november december will be a little lighter we're just going to have dine with kings and then um uh dine with kings and christmas carol then in the service we're going to have graduation services in the service but during the week in December, we won't do a lot, right? We just do one or two things here and there. Thank you, Antibin, but I see that. Thank you, Kenneth and Glory. Thank you, Lois. Thank you, everybody. All right. I don't want to be 9.05. Love you all. Don't forget, 6 a.m., up and early. Please, if you can take advantage of the midnight watch, do a 15-minute charge, a 30-minute charge, a one-hour charge from 12 midnight to 1. That's also great as well. Love you all, love you all, love you all. Have a phenomenal uh, rest of the day. Yes, yeah, so media service should give the video a thumbs up. Yes, like, 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 and all of that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. Bye. That's the end of what to do when the pressure gets wet. So on to Star Wars the Sunday.
generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.